The game is the game. Join me, your host, Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, as I travel on a journey to meet people from a variety of professions to find out what made them excel in their field. Walk with me. Welcome to The Game is the Game. I'm your host, Massel St. Patrick Hewitt, and thank you once again for joining me on another journey, another episode, another conversation. Call it what you want, but thank you for locking in all the same. Before we go any further, we have to get the admin out of the way. Thank you as ever to everybody who's been listening to any of the episodes, the most recent one with Callum Reynolds, any of the previous episodes. Thank you for those who like, share, review, subscribe, all of that, all of that, keep it going. Today's episode is called The One with the Sports Caster. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited. And the thing is, every podcast host makes that generic statement at the start of a podcast. They're like, yeah, I'm so excited for this one. But I actually am. I'm genuinely excited for this one. Uh, my guest, my guest today is a genuine trailblazer a genuine trailblazer. Um, and depending on how well you know her, um, she she could be described as being a trailblazer in so many different fields that I think you almost have to pick which one you, you associate her with. So I don't even want to kind of be reductive and just say a trailblazer in the, in, in the sports casting scene, because I think she's so much more than that, to tell you the truth. Um, but we had to, we have to come up with a title. There has to be that in, and the in that I've chosen is the one with the sportscaster. And I'm delighted to have on the game is the game today, the one and the only Alex Jordan. Alex, Whoa. how are you doing? Wow, what an introduction. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Marshall St. Patrick Hewitt. I'm delighted to be here. So good to talk to you. I feel like I know you already. I feel like, honestly, I feel like we're old friends which speaks to me about how good a, a broadcaster you are. Yes, people, you know, despite how this episode may go on to sound, I have <laughs> never met Alex in, in, in person. One day I will, but <laughs> yes. that hasn't actually happened. That hasn't actually happened as of yet. If, but do, do you know what, Alex? Sorry, I have to interrupt. Go, go, go for it, go for it. If I'm to sing, sing a classic from the mighty Gabby, I would say, one day coming soon. The people will raise up because T20 World Cup is this year. And I expect nothing from the Caribbean Cricket Podcast but their presence in this part of the world. I mean, I'm, I'm looking into it. I'm looking into it. Uh, all will be revealed on, on that front. It's gonna, it's much, do you know what? It's much harder than you'd think to, to, to venture to a World Cup in the Caribbean. It's easy to get there. But once it's about trying to travel around, you have to bankrupt yourself to, to, to go to a World Cup in the Caribbean. <laughs> so that's actually a fact. And I would like to shout out Prime Minister Mia Motley out of Barbados and uh, President Irfan Ali out of Guyana and Trinidad and Tobago. The three nations are setting up a ferry service. I don't mm. know if that probably won't be ready in time for the World Cup. But in terms of going forward and having more um, reasonably priced interregional travel, it's a good look. 100%. 100%. It's probably the... The, the I would argue one of the biggest things that that holds the region back. Um, you can be from as I am from an island within Caribbean Jamaica and not really know too much else about 
our, 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 our sister and brethren in, in the other but island. I would like to say, though, and remember that I love and rate Jamaica. I lived in Jamaica. Jamaicans consider me part Jamaican. That is only Jamaica. Since oh, really? But that's another episode. This is the game is a game. Okay, yeah, you know what, we'll, we'll get into it. And actually, you, you have a point there, but and we can get into the, the reasoning for that another time. We'll talk about that one. But, you know what, Alex, let's get into it. The game is the game, um, as we said, the one with the sportscaster. And in many ways, even in that early interaction where we didn't even focus on the podcast, <laughs> you've kind of given away why your kind of personality is is so infectious and why you've been so successful at many of the things uh, that you've done. But let's start with actually what might be the hardest question. When you go into an empty, when you go into a room and you're doing the whole networking thing and you meet people who don't know you, right? Maybe they only know you for a show reel or an audio reel or whatever it might be. Who or how do you describe yourself? Who do you say Alex Jordan is? What's your in to get somebody to know who you are, what you've done within like a, a two-minute pitch? Uh, elevator pitch. That's interesting. I, I need a better one for myself. But because <laughs> I am a person who does many things, people call that a multi-potentialite these days, it depends on my audience. So I'll have a sports bio. I'll have an academic bio. You know, I'll have, I have different angles depending on who the audience is. And I, I think that's crucial because people know me for different things. I can do many different things. I, and, and thank God, you know, we live in a time where, where you can make a living like that. You know, in, I, in my father's generation and my grandparents' generation, you had to be one thing and you had to do it every day of your life until you died. So a real privilege for our generation to be able to to say that we do many things. I would say that I am a communicator. That, that is the basis of my talents, really. I am a linguist and I'm a communicator. Sometimes I use that in sports. Sometimes I use that in social justice. Uh, I think I'm particularly strong in the area of interviewing, uh, connecting with people, getting things out of people. Um, yeah, the skills, I think the skill set is, is multi-layered. I can say that now that I'm a big adult. I used to be embarrassed to say things like that, but it, but it, but it's true, and um, it depends on who my audience is. Sometimes I'll say I'm a linguist, you know. If this, like today, I just came from the golf club to had a practice because we got a big tournament this Friday. I'm an amateur golfer, but there was a big bus of French people up there, right? And and now, like, I bumped into them, maybe maybe 60, 70 French people out of, I would assume, out of France. And I just hold them down in some old French and I could see them one by one being like, what the hell? How does girl speak such good French? Um, yeah, one of the many things I do. I'm so glad you've touched on those many things because ultimately the, the, the purpose of this pod when it, when in its initial inception and it's held to now on episode 15. But um, I like to kind of deep dive and understand how someone has got to what well, I, I like to use the phrase their final form now in truth everybody I speak to on this podcast no one's in their final form because everyone's always evolving there's always something new around the cor uh, the corner and the horizon but to the lay person who sees you on tv and sees you in the many roles sees you doing um a keynote speech they would look at you and go 
Alex Jordan has made it, right? So when we kind of, like I say, when we kind of extrapolate on these episodes, it's to understand the journey because nobody goes from, or in your case, Alex Jordan, the child, and you just metamorphize into Alex Jordan, the sportscaster, however many years later, right? So the obvious question to ask then would be, and I, I think I know the answer, but I may not. This wasn't initially your mission. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't initially your goal. So if we can take it back to um, school age, Alex, where did you think life was going? Gosh, Michelle, you're intuitive and clever and well researched. Um, school life. I think you know. I had a similar problem in school life. I was always a very good linguist. My whole family. Well, I should say, bar my mother. Sorry, mom. But my father gave me, my brother and my sister, really good linguistic skills. So languages were of, of interest to all of us from early and young. And I am the last of three. I think we have to start there. I'm the last of three. And the first two got Barbados scholarships or, you know, did very well in their A-levels. So my mother, being, she is a teacher and a real empathetic person and mother. She was like, do you, you, do you really want to stay in Barbados and do your A-levels and follow those two? Because, you know, don't feel like you have to. Like, there's lots of options. Let's go and speak to your guidance counselor. So I had a very involved mother, who, uh, which ended up meaning that I applied to go to something called the United World College when I was 16. I think it's important to mention that. Because at 16 years old, I won this scholarship that was out of 65 applicants. They wanted all-rounders. You go, you go on a full scholarship. Mine was a Prince of Wales scholarship. Mm. Sir. And, um, and you study your international baccalaureate. So that's the A-level equivalent. So that was 16 years old to 18 years old. Hold on, it, where? Where was this? The one I went to was in Vancouver Island, British Columbia. Okay. Middle of nowhere, literally on the Pacific Ocean. We used to have cougar warnings. I was a firefighter because our campus could burn to the ground in eight minutes. And it was 100 Canadian students and then 100 students from the rest of the world. So mm. I, I became an adult in an international environment. I think that, that, that is an important thing to know. Up to 16 in Barbados, I had been uh, a multi-sport athlete. By that time, I had represented Barbados in three national sports. And when I went off to college, I kind of got waylaid off the sporting trail. In fact, when I went back to the Pearson College of Union last year, I said to them, more sports, more sports, movement and sweating, great for 16-year-olds. But we were too busy then. We were solving the world's problems, et cetera. So can my, I, can, let me jump in. Uh, no, yeah. I must jump in because people listening to this won't see the visuals of us talking to each other. So you are currently, as we're as we're doing this or having this conversation, in golf, uh, in golf wear, golf leisure wear. So, so I just want to ask the question. You can't just say, "Well, you know, I represented the country across three disciplines." And so, did is there any regrets about not taking the? I mean you still play in an amateur level, but is there any regrets about, I could have been this, I could have been that, sports-wise? Boy, good question. No, regret's the wrong word. Maybe more lament. Mm. I wish I could have been a professional athlete. However, what makes me a good athlete is that I am resilient and hungry and full of heart. I'm not your number one talent. Mm. I am not your number one talent. I don't think I have the best hands. Um, you know, I'm pretty fit. I'm going to run everything down. But you would never pick me top three in your skill set. I mean, Queen's College, 
my secondary school, I went to play cricket in first form and they said rounders, cricket is for boys. So mm. we will never know about what my cricket career could have been. But I put it to you that golf, squash and swimming, I have ability. I had a lot of discipline as a child and I played on the national team through pure application and heart. Mm. I'm not dunce. I'm not not talented. So I don't I don't look back and think, geez, you brother could have be Haley Matthews. Right? I don't think so. Although yeah. sometimes I say it. Although sometimes <laughs> I say it. Haley's Haley's ultra talented, right? From yeah. the first time she picks up a rack, uh, uh, cricket bat, you can see, you can just see her her skills. Her skill set is 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 um, extraordinary. It's above average. I think I was slightly above average athlete, but I had a lot of the other tenants that you need to be an athlete. So the okay. long, long, long answer to that question is no, but no, but you know what? Yeah. A detailed one. I love a detailed answer. <laughs> yeah, you covered all bases. Um, so yeah, so 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 pivoting back, um, you're a UWC. Yes. Have I said the right initials there? Correct. Very well. Yeah, yeah you definitely. So Correct. UWC. Um, from I don't want to because I don't want to make it a timeline. I don't be like, and then you did this, and then you did this. Yeah, I'm yeah. more trying to get at a sense. Yeah, how you unpicked your next steps. So rather than saying, and then I went here. When did the because the penny drops at different times to different people, and even when it does drop, it can drop for one journey, and then it drops for another journey. So when when did the penny drop for the first journey? Whatever you associate the first journey to be. I think the penny dropped with the first journey uh, in the early 2000s. Now, if I do have a regret, it would be not getting, not living more intentionally from earlier. Mm. So, I, you know, university was great. I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I studied interesting things, you know, third world politics, issues of underdevelopment. I studied our region, studied the Latin American region, did languages. So these things were feeding my mind i was curious and, and, and engaged and enjoying but not, not to any end i wasn't mm. thinking oh okay and then i'm going to use this and become this and become this i knew in my mind's my heart that i wanted to use my voice i had a very distinctive voice from the time i was a little girl people were always reacting to my voice mm. right i was a ball girl when i was about six or seven in, an, in, in a tennis tournament here in barbados it was a it was a pro-am so, you know, Harry Belafonte and well, Sarah, Shari Belafonte said when she heard my voice, oh, my goodness, who is this little Tina Turner? Right. So that was I, anytime any I opened my voice, people would say, my gosh. So I knew that this somehow was going to come to do with it. But eventually the penny dropped when I was like, I want to be a presenter. Okay. I want to be a presenter. And I, I, I picked myself up and I moved to the UK. Because I have no, to no, 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 no. We must stop again. We must stop again. Sorry, bro. It's, it's, <laughs> brother, listen, you be careful because... It's a long story, you know, and you only have... I know, I, I know, I know, but how does... Was was there a... Was there a yes. yes, there was a moment. Who was the person? Usually there's a person when it's something like that. There's, there's someone saying, take that step. Go forth, young child. This is you. And it's... <laughs> <laughs> Marshall, you got some great instinct. On the morning of my 24th birthday, it went a bit like this. I was at home after university working the Ministry of Foreign Affairs on the Latin America desk, using my Spanish, already mm. with a government job, kind of first main gig out of uni. And I was living in my parents' house at the time. And mm. the phone rang, and my mother woke me up very early to say, someone's on the phone for you for your birthday. 
And it was my friend's mother who had become a born again Christian. Okay. So she was, yeah, she was God, God, God down the phone. God's blessing. So I thanked her politely and I put down. And the combination of just the early rising and the emotional thing, I started to weep. Okay. And I said, mom, I don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life. That's, that conversation happened right there after I put down the phone. So 6 a.m., June 14th, whatever year I turned 24. Yeah. And my mother said, because she is an Aussie, that's your Aussie roots. You need to go walk about. Yeah. And I, 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 I quit my job. I sold my car and I bought a Euro, tra Euro trail ticket, you know, and backpacked across Europe on my own for four months. Let me let let me let that part sink in for the listeners. <laughs> let, me just, let me just let yes, it sink bro. in. Yes, bro. The agent from, uh, and you did it. You did it from Barbados. So yes, I did that from Barbados. But you right. know, I, I then you know obviously start in London. So bought everything online, flew to London, and began. First stop was Stockholm, London, Stockholm. Okay. Do you know why I said and from Barbados? Because this isn't. We're not talking about twenty twenty four where everybody no. gets up and just does that now. No, bro. Mm -mm. Um, and I don't know the year, and I don't want to know the year, but I do know that doing it from the Caribbean, that's not necessarily... Okay, let's even argue it could be something now, but it's not It's not the common thing to be like, right, right I'm going to leave the Caribbean and backpack. It might be I'm going to leave the Caribbean and go to the United States, if you see what I mean. And maybe I might go to the UK or Canada. But if not, I'm leaving the Caribbean to backpack. It was early 2000s. I don't mind you asking when it was. It was early 2000s. So guess what? That was the time of going to internet cafes. It's incredible how fast the world changed, you know. Because now mm. that I think about, about that, that sounds outrageously ridiculous. You had to yeah. go to a cafe to use the internet. Well, why didn't you just use your phone? <laughs> um, yeah, it was a slightly different world. So remember, it was one step closer to the world of my parents. And my mother in the 60s was backpacking through Kabul and around the world. So I come from a pretty eccentric, brave, courageous Australian woman from, from uh, you know, a country town in Australia. So mm. remember that too. That's part mm. of the whole identity as well. So she, she had done that in the 60s. I thought, well, what the hell? I, we have modern conveniences now. I could get something called a Eurorail pass. So I only paid this amount and then I could travel back and forth and as much as I want for three, three or four months. Mm. So I took my life savings. Understand that, Michelle? That was all the money. And then after that, the plan was to move to London to become a TV presenter. Gosh, so many. This is why I had to get you on, you know, so many different angles. And but I want to get into the London part and I'm going to tell you a story related to that London part in a second. Mm. But we must touch on the Australian part ever so slightly, just because I don't know how many people, certainly, let's say, outside Barbados, so people who are aware of you through whatever means they're aware of you, right, for your various different exploits. I'm not sure how many people know of, like, you having, like, a mixed heritage, much less Australian. I think people might hear your voice. They might look at you and go, where's she from? Like, they'll get the Barbados thing if they know the region, but they're still probably thinking, yeah, but what's, what's, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how much do you identify with the Australian uh, part? Because I think that's unique. That's quite unique, to be fair. 
That's a great question. Uh, my identity has developed and merged and, and changed through the years. I actually mentioned this in my national sports awards address. The fact that I used to think to, of myself and call myself and identify myself as a black woman. But mm. of course, the more you live in the modern world, the more you recognize that mixed race is not black. Mixed mm. race is mixed race. And especially in the post-colonial context, growing up when I grew up, brown skin, different hair, mm. that was not the same experience as a black person's experience. So I changed my identity. How much does the Australian... It's interesting. I've had an Australian passport since I was born. So I travel the world with an Australian passport because it's easy. Of course. What I like to call a white people passport. <laughs> you know, no visa required. Yes. But, um, it's, I didn't, mom raised us with Australian uh, children's stories, uh, understanding the geography, the culture. You know, I had this very warm, fuzzy idea of Australia because I adore my mother and she's a teacher, so she taught us so well. But then I went to Australia as a big woman mm. and my experience was very different. I'm not surprised. And I didn't feel supremely welcomed as a person of color, if I am honest. And so it's hard for me to cheer for them. Like, I, even though I am it, right? Mm. I'm, I don't really back Australia in the same way because I... I have felt um, aggressed. The only place I've been racially aggressed in the world has been in England and then been in Australia. And very often Australians can't get their mind around my mother being white, blonde Australian. I can see on their faces when I tell them I'm Aussie, they're, they're thinking, oh, must be Aboriginal, right? Because they just don't know. Listen, you see what you... <laughs> that, that whole section of what you just said <laughs> That's another podcast on another day. <laughs> another, that's a whole nother conversation. But yeah. I hear you. I completely um, and utterly hear you. Um, and for those those listening, you've already got your. I was about to say your money's worth. You haven't even paid for this, but you've already <laughs> got your money. You've already got your money's worth after twenty minutes. But um, listen. Um, so Lon let, let's let's go to London then. Um, when I mentioned to a, a friend of mine. I said, um, oh, Alex Jordan is coming on. The first thing they said to me was, what, the one extra DJ? Now, I'm going to be honest with you, Alex, and this may shock you. I know you more for sports casting than I do for one extra. And when I said that to my friend, they were like, are you stupid? <laughs> and, that, and, and that's why. But do you know, <laughs> do you know why? You're about to kill me now. I'm no. a lot. Uh, if anyone's listening to this in the Caribbean, they're about to switch off from ever listening to me again. I don't like soca. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Here we go. No, you know why? Because but, you haven't heard proper soca. You've not, you've not been given the journey. Anyway. No, never. Absolutely never, right? And having... You're going to take me to town when I say this next as well. I know that we have soca in Jamaica. I know we do. But I've always said we don't have it like the other islands have it, right? And it's having done schooling in Jamaica, big up warmers, um, having done schooling in Jamaica, having been born in Jamaica, going back to Jamaica so regularly, I just don't feel like it was ever a proper staple of my diet. You're hearing the dance hall and the bashment and the raga and the reggae before you're getting down to the to, to the soca. So it was never really a, a diet of mine. So firstly, I'm apologizing for 
for not knowing you how I should know you. <laughs> no, no big deal. You mean the UK's only national soca music show? No big deal, bro. But here's, <laughs> here's some irony about this. There's some tremendous irony because you and I are discussing maybe different eras. You didn't know me then. I was a real youngster. And I had a soca music show on one extra. Rubble mm. Ranks was the dance hall DJ. And mm. so any soca tune that was almost busting our, you know, I felt like this had international potential. I would beg Robo Ranks to play on the dance hall show. Because in those days, like you said, dance hall listeners didn't know soca. Soca was an up and coming genre. Dance, um, my man Robo Ranks, oh, my music that man. No, sir, when I use that, like, you can beat that bit out if you like. He was very derisive about soca mm. music. Anyway, fast forward a lot of years. And I mean a lot of years. So I, I work at One Extra Radio One, Polydor Records. We can discuss that if you want or if you don't want. I move home. I make the Alex Jordan morning show. We start at Slam FM, blah, 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 mm. whatever. They steal me from Slam FM, Sports Max, and I move to Jamaica to replace Alexis Nunes at Sports Max. Mm -hmm. So we're talking, you know, a good span of time. I am a dance hall idiot. In lots of ways, I prefer dance hall to soca. So I can't wait to move to Jamaica. <laughs> Michelle St. Patrick Hewitt. The moment I land in Jamaica till the moment I left after I resigned, is only soca, left, right, and center. Jamaica upon the soca train. If you see how uptown Jamaica, love up, hug up, hug up the soca now. And I yep. was like, rubble ranks. Mm. Huh? You're on the wrong side of history, bruv. Um, am I right? I'm thinking it's Juve. Is it not Juve, which is the... um. Uh, Jamaica, Jamaica has its own carnival now. They yeah, exactly. A, which is which has so which is as well of sessions. Mm. You go into a session, I think it's gonna be like a session. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and like half or three quarters soca. So I think it's Jamaica does not produce soca in the way the other islands do, but they certainly intake soca <laughs> the way the other islands do. And again, that's a class thing. I would say yes, yeah. And down people versus downtown people. You know where you would go to get a hundred percent dance hall. You don't have to look too far. Mm, 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 mm. So let's 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 go now. Having not having done that, let's look at that journey to London because people, again, I'm assuming most people don't know the journey inside out. It's one thing to say I'm going to become a presenter in London. It's another for it to happen. I'll frame it like this. When you finally achieved it, was it was it the result of the grafting to get there? Was it luck in the sense of right place, right time? Or the third one I'll give you was I guess it's more more maybe it's also a sense of right place, right time, but me. Getting the foot in, getting the foot in when I guess at the right time because you could have got the foot in at various different points and it not worked out. So, did you get your foot through the door at the moment you were ready to get the foot through the door? Take that however you want to take it. I choose B, mm. luck, right place, right time, Michelle, because life is about luck and timing. Mm. You know, I'm getting more and more profound uh, as I age you know because the, the truth is it, it is luck and timing life mm. life is one big practice so it's not that i wasn't grafting but when i think back i wasn't again i wasn't grafting in any good direction i was mm. doing a lot of like a duck under the surface doing a lot of work 
but I didn't, I was a bit rudderless because yeah. I had all these talents. I was like, boy, I, I felt like, you know, I was working for a living. I was working at Polydor Records in A&R. So I was an A&R assistant to the head of A&R. So we were going out and signing bands. I mean, there's that side of my life. I met Amy Winehouse, 50 Cent, you name it. I mean, I had a whole life in in showbiz, in music business. That was a, a whole life of mine. And But the luck came. And this is just lucky. I'm going to tell this story as succinctly as I can. I had been in London for a few years and nothing was working. This is before I got any of those jobs. I was I was waitressing in, in sports cafe in the Haymarket, catching night bus, shared house. I'm thinking, what on earth have I done? This is a terrible idea. Mm. And then Notting Hill Carnival came around. And I, I one of the people in my shared house was a uh, an English girl of Guyanese descent called Sharon. And I was like, Sharon, come, let's go to Notting Hill. She was like, nah. She was not on it. So I had a few drinks on my own in the morning. And I went on my own. Mm. So I started to walk the streets of Notting Hill on my own. And I ran into some people who were filming from Synergy TV Trinidad. I grabbed the mic and I was like, welcome to my town, London town. Oh, you're here for Notting Hill? Let me just tell you a few things. That made the final cut on Synergy TV in Trinidad. Right. Ray Paul, executive producer of One Extra at the time, was in Trinidad on assignment, saw me on the telly and said to his team, find this girl. She lives in London. I want her to host the Soap and Music show. I got a phone call one day. I got a phone call one day. Are you Alex Jordan? I said, maybe. <laughs> so you imagine the outrage from the Trinidad and, and Tobago Indian people when they yeah. hear a girl who's not even a proper, proper DJ. I was a broadcaster by that time. I had done mm. radio, but I, I had to teach myself BPMs, mixing. Right. And it's funny you say you started the podcast with this and you referenced it again. When do you think you made it? Or people think that you've made it. I, I came up in my mind the other day with this idea of young master. Mm. Young master for me is a kind of compliment to me because I don't feel so young. But in terms of mastery, I'm still young. I'm mm. in my infancy, but I have achieved some mastery. Mm. That, that's where I would go with that. Because when I hear you all talking, I'm like, no, I haven't made it. If I made it, like I, I am thriving. I am doing a, 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 something that I feel in my full alignment. I am wealthy and abundant. That's still incoming. When you started the One Extra scene work, I mean, let's not forget you won a, I believe you won a Sony Silver Award. Let's, let's, let's give you a flowers. You did, you, you did stuff. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I but, covered the World Cup, 06 World Cup in Germany. Right, that's what, yeah, so... In how soon into the, the 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 kind of one extra stuff did you start to get itchy feet? In so much as thinking this is good, I'm in, I'm doing stuff I love, but it's not where I like. I still not where I want to be, or it's it's I want to do X next. Two things happened. One. I was good enough a broadcaster to be noticed at some soca music show, 2 a.m. on a Sunday night by Radio 1. Mm. And Radio 1 called me and asked me to do a few shifts to hear how I would do. Um, I did it and I really struggled because I had a sense that I wasn't really, they had a sense and they were right, that I wasn't really comfortable in my voice. 
I wasn't sure who they wanted me to be. Right, right here, I was Barbadian, but this is this is now mainstream radio one. There's not one extra. And is it okay to be me? This is just before they started hiring everybody with regional accents. And right, yeah, 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 yeah. I kind of failed that assignment to to become mainstream radio one. And then the second thing that happened is I got an, I I had a agent John Noel, it didn't do much for me at all, and, and and dumped me rather unceremoniously. But he did get me an interview with for Sky Sports News. Mm. And I went to Sky Sports News. There were about 100 people, and I made last four, right? This is, you know, with the thing in your ear reading off the audience. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the director, who was a woman, called me in after, you know, doing five or six rounds. And she said, Alex, Jordan, you have a beautiful sound. I could listen to you all day. I could listen to you read from the phone book. You remind me of uh, Michael Holding. I think she said, or Tony, yeah, she said Tony Cozier or Michael. I believe she said Michael Holding, which... Such a, a compliment because we know how Michael's voice just glides. Yeah, silky. And exactly. <laughs> smooth yet fiery. Anyway, she said, um, the truth is Sky Sports News is a Rupert Murdoch station. Mm. And the combination of you being both a woman and foreign is going to be too much for my viewers. But I wanted to bring you in here to let you know you're not getting it because you're not good enough. Mm. You're just not getting it because you're not the right fit. Those two things happened when I realized, nah, this ain't for me. I need to go. I need to go amongst my people again. Okay. How did you deal with rejection? With difficulty. I mean, I oh. think everybody deals with rejection with difficulty. Harder when you're younger because your ego is so full. You haven't mm. yet. And and for me, I, I I had a lot of success as a youngster. Right. I was an eight and under swimming champion. Mm. Right. So I had confidence and successful and good things happening to me since I was a little child, right? I was excellent at my academics. My mother and father had a happy marriage. We had a nice house. I had great friends. What do you want, bro? I did horse riding. I did ballet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I, I had a great life. Nothing bad ever happened. So when things started, to, when life started to actually life, and I got a few belly searches, mm. those were hard. And I, I try to tell young people who I speak to in impoverished circumstances, an upbringing in, in an impoverished place is difficult and trying, but you're learning a lot about resilience that people who've had comfortable lives have to learn late. So how did I deal with rejection? I don't know, overeating, sleeping, getting depressed, feeling like I wasn't worthy, all the things people go through, wondering if I'm good enough. Um, wondering is it is it because I is black? Wondering mm. everything, right? Like, um, yeah, you you just it's a bit had a bit of a speed wobble, and then I found my center again. Were you navigating this? Be honest. I, I, I've lost. I've, I've actually lost uh, track of what years we're talking about. But <laughs> but we, we're moving all the same. When this kind of Sky Sports thing happens, the Radio 1 thing doesn't quite work out. Were you navigating this on your own? And let me explain what I mean by that, because you might take it different to how I mean it. In some of the stuff that we've kind of done on like my other stuff, Caribbean Cricket Podcast and stuff, I've never really known how to navigate anything that goes on and just make it up as we go along, right? To what extent were you kind of? I know you said you had an agent. That, I don't count an agent necessarily because they can be good or bad. And you've seemingly had 
a not good one. <laughs> um, back then, back then, I have a great. Back English. then, sorry, back then, sorry. No, no, so, how how much was it trial and error for you? And like loads of like, this is going so well, it's bound to keep going so well. Or did you have like that mentor who was this side of the pond saying, Alex, listen some speed bumps might come up. Like you need to understand how this industry works. Like, do you get what I'm, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, I didn't have a ton of mentors. I had good friends who were supportive, um, but I had great parents. Mm. I have to mention them again because, you know, my father used to talk about life in terms of golf because he was so obsessed with it. So anything go wrong, he would say, you know, the first rule of golf, get yourself out of trouble. You know, one swing gets you back into the hole. This, he would, he would use a lot of, general sporting terms mm. to equate to life so you know you have to manage failure i mean and that that came from them that came that support came from them letters phone calls etc i mean i've been more or less perennially single um i'm trying to remember who supported me through those particular knots in terms of not getting those gigs uh you know i was a solo warrior i left home at 16 you know Mm, 16 mm. I was on my own so I've been more or less trying to you know get over get through things on my own from a very long time but that's not to say that you know any woman is an island there would have been people who would have been trying to help me but remember at that time at that time that all that failure was happening I was also working in Polydor Records you know we were the number one record company in the UK for five years so I had another story playing out I mean, it's not that that's not where I wanted to be. It wasn't the presenting. It wasn't me as the star, right? It, I was supporting other people's stories. But it was fascinating. And it was a job that gave you a sense of self. Because, you know, you're chilling and, yeah, and 50 Cent walks in the room or Gwen Stefani or, or Coldplay. Or, mm. You know, you name it. Like, it's, it's just like nothing. So in terms of music industry history, I lived through a lot of that. I could write yeah. you a book on that. So I recognized at the same time that I was having wins in other areas. It just wasn't in the area that I wanted to be, wanted it to be. When you took the opportunity to go back to the Caribbean, now I again maybe because of of my history of being born there and my family's there, I find that fascinating, right? Because you would have been much younger. Generally, when I think about people returning to the Caribbean, I'm, I generally associate that with uh, the diaspora returning back home. Right, you build your house back home. You're you're going home now. Uh, it's it's time to leave cold England and go back to yard. Right? Okay, cool. Um, and I may well end up doing that myself. <laughs> but um, when you made that decision, I think that's a big decision, right? Because you'd had success in what's seen as a bigger media field. And if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. A bigger media field and a bigger audience, wider exposure than going to the Caribbean. That's a big move and it's a big decision, as I see it. But in your eyes, why do it? Why go, why go back? Such a good question and, and so well contextualized. In retrospect, you're right. Massive decision. But mm. let's remember I'd been in the UK nearly a decade. Okay. Nearly 10 years. I felt that was a long time. 
Mm. You know, that's my 20s gone, bro. So yeah. I was feeling like, yeah, um, I'm not making this breakthrough. I'm such a foreigner still. Okay. Despite, you know, having all this sort of 10 years and all this experience. I, I want to go somewhere where I am my authentic, I can be my authentic self. And I, ironically, I'm speaking at an event later this month where, and I've been given the title from, um, from grassroots to global. And, and when I'm thinking about what I'm going to write about, it is actually all about that. Grassroots first. Like, are you authentic in your own voice first before mm. you, are, you can be global? Yeah. So, uh, simultaneously, you're gonna, your mind's going to blow in your ears. I had been trying to leave Polydor Records because, you know, I was just someone's assistant. Even though, obviously, yeah. this personality felt like I ran the place, right? I knew that I wasn't the star there. It was lovely, but this was only ever to pay for my rent and all these things and to get me in the direction of going and doing what I wanted to do. So I kept thinking, gosh, I need to get out of this work. I'm just going to quit. And even if I only have the one radio job at the minute, something else will come up. And just as I had the courage to quit Polydor Records, the Barbados government reaches out to me. It was mm. Mia Motley at the time. She wasn't prime minister. And they hired me to do some work for the Barbados government. So I became a diplomat in London for the Barbados government, right? Simultaneously yeah. with my radio show, right? This is, this is before I decided to leave Radio on Order. Yeah, yeah. I was doing that for a bit and not long, maybe a year, just under a year. And then the government changed. So you wow. know when the government changes, yes, they yeah. finish your contract. Because they had hired me out of London, the contract meant the government will have to fly me and everything I own home. So there was an opportunity in my mind to buy a car, bring everything I come, and I, I come in home duty-free on them. Yes, yes, I don't have yes. to pay a cent. Mm. Uh, and a fresh start, right? At, at, at that stage, the big decision was leaving Radio 1. And as, as far as I knew... At that point when I did it, I was the first DJ to ever leave Radio 1 of their own volition. Right? It was only a soca music show, whatever, but I still felt like it was a big deal. It was courageous. Yes. And I picked up and I moved home. And it was the best thing I ever did. Because the timing then to meet Habib Elias, he says, look, I want to start this station. I hear you're BBC trained. I got the Alex Jordan morning show. I was the face on the morning show. I woke my country up for five years. And that's that, Michelle, St. Patrick Hewitt, was the making of me. That was the best work I have ever done. That was me and my highest powers. That was the new iteration, Alex Jordan. A, a voice, first of all, who knew what she had to say, who knew who she was, and then found resounding success. Old, young, black, white, rich, poor, every, as the Jamaicans would say, everybody was <laughs> To that radio show, you know. Okay, um, do you know what? If I'm pausing, it's because <laughs> I'm letting it. I'm forget the listeners. I'm letting it sink in for myself first before I even before before I just rush to say something. I've read about that show. I can't pretend to say that I've heard it because obviously I wasn't in I wasn't in BIM or Barbados at the time. But um, I know how successful it was because it's easy to read about how successful it was. What was the catalyst? Because you go from there to Sportsmax, right? That's right. What was the catalyst to go to Sportsmax? And what was the catalyst to... 
to go to Jamaica. And, and there's some asking you so many ands here. And, <laughs> and, because for, again, for those who are listening to this who don't understand the, the geography of the Caribbean, because there'll be people listening to this who are in the UK who may have never been. Jamaica is, to me, so far away from the other, well, not the other Caribbean islands, but you know what I mean, in terms of the Eastern Caribbean, Jamaica's far away. Um, was there as much kind of apprehension? I'm not saying you were apprehensive about coming back home, but was there as much was there as much apprehension about the move from like Radio One to come back home, and now Barbados to go to 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 sports mats in Jamaica, or was it just natural progression in your eyes? It was. It turned out to be a natural progression. <clears throat> I think deciding to leave London to come back to the region was the biggest decision. Okay. Because, yes, we have this idea in our head that, you know, foreign is everything, big and full of money and all them things, whereas the Caribbean is small and limiting. Well, I, I released all those ideas, came mm. home. I was queen in my own country with the Alex Jordan mm. Morning Show. And then getting this opportunity in Jamaica, I remember I had a few other opportunities. My father saying, Jamaica, you should go to Jamaica. Jamaica's the New York of the Caribbean, he said. He said, Barbados okay. is very small for you. But Jamaica's just right. And he said, that sports show, you know, 10 million people watch that across the region. That's mm. something you should go and do. And, I, and you know, of course, there was a bit of back and forth because I was like, you know, I don't do sports and you know, I don't do TV, right? I do right. music and radio. But of course, on my morning show, I'm consistently discussing sports because I'm mm. a sports fan and I'm an amateur athlete. So the idea was, yes, you could do it. And I, learned, I, I moved to Jamaica. Moving to Jamaica was never going to be difficult. I knew I was going to love it with every part of me as a West Indian fan, a fan of West Indies culture and mm. culture particularly. I was more worried about the blasted TV. People looking <laughs> at me. Remember, I've come out of radio. It's of yeah. radio at this stage. People looking at me and then live TV? Not even TV. We can go and run away and edit. So I learned how to do that live to the region, I'm afraid. That was some, that was some bumpy months. You want to talk about confidence knocks? Oh, really? Yeah, because it's not like they, they have like a studio over there. You can go and practice on the weekend and get ready for Monday. Monday's five, four, three, two. You're live to the region. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sports Mac Zone. I'm Alex Jordan alongside Lance Whitaker, Simon Crossgill. Right? I had to use my broadcasting mouse. But it was, it was terrifying. And, of course, um, NBA is my week. It's probably one of my week areas. So we had NBA. So, you know, NBA discussions, I'd be like, those, M those mofos are going to ask me something. Now they're going to ask me something. <laughs> I'm not going to the answer. But then you learn how to say, yeah. with, you know, well, what do you think? Deflect to the audience. Guys, you get mm. in touch, you know, um, and let us know. So I just became a, um, a better broadcaster, more skillful broadcaster, and, of course, learned so much more about sports. Cricket, I felt, was one of my strong areas because I grew up watching cricket. I understood the game very well. I followed the West Indies. Um, but yeah, we had we covered everything, bro. Every single sport. I mean, you name it. Football. And then there was schoolboy football, Jamaica, schoolboy football, Trinidad. It mm -hmm. was a lot of things. And that was five days a week, two hours live sports TV. So that kind of friction, that kind of rub of difficulty, shame, embarrassment, getting it wrong, the world seeing, that 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 makes you more masterful. Iron, they say iron sharp and iron. I know, obviously, you're on TV a lot now. Um, what do you prefer? 
I gotta tell you, bruv, I think the medium of radio is a intellectually and soulfully superior medium. But mm. we're living in 2024. This is a visual world. Mm. No pic didn't happen. Is it on Instagram? <laughs> if not, it doesn't exist. So I'm recognizing, I don't wanna be an old fogey. I don't wanna be one of those people who are like, oh, this next generation, this, that, and the next. That's the world we live in right now. TV is more powerful. TV pays, pays more money for me mm -hmm. and there's more scope. But um, after I write my book and I start to you know, become from young master to medium master, I would love to do more radio. I need to, I really need my own podcast, just like you've got here. Do you know, it's so interesting you said that. As you were talking, I literally was thinking, wait a minute, why doesn't Alex already have her own YouTube show, podcast? You'd suit that medium so... I would. Like, I would. That'd be like, that'd be duck to water for you. <laughs> I guess it's been a bit of fear of failure, I think, mm. that's holding me back. I have a YouTube page. I, I did a lot of videoing when I was in Jamaica. I look back and think, oh, yeah, I, I used to upload a lot. And then I stopped. And mm. now I just need to get something more consistent. I, I, I need a little setup like you have here. Um, Listen, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you how to do it, and then you can actually get people who do it properly. <laughs> because effectively, it'd be you doing the the Alex Jordan Morning Show, but just in the medium that everybody now uses now. Exactly. And why didn't I actually do that the moment I left the Alex Jordan Morning Show? Like for mm. me, people think, "Oh, she's done a lot. Oh, she's done well." For me, I'm the biggest time waster I know. In the you know this side of the Rio Grande, should have been doing that ever since, bro. I should mm. be having a gazillion followers by now. I should be making my living off my own back. And then whatever comes in terms of cricket gigs, sports gigs, et cetera, would be extra. But no, no, I find myself in the position where I'm now, um, I'm now building that out for whatever reason. I mean, lo lots is going on. Life, life happens in between there as well, remember? Mm -hmm. And also, ultimately, things, I, I, well, me personally, I'm a believer that things happen when they are supposed to happen. Um, it's, it's not every day force everything to happen. <laughs> Sometimes it, the doors open up when they're supposed to open up. But um, yeah, so Sports Max, um, sports. I mean, you followed. You came in after Alexis. Yes, uh, right. Alexis Nunes to ESPN. Now right. there's an interesting career, right? Because Alexis Nunes was one of the people they found when Sports Max was doing like a talent search in Jamaica to find female talent. Mm. And Alexis, I think, went to Sportsmax through that. And not so long after, you would have to check with her, but I don't think it would have been more than two years that she did that show, ESPN picked her up, right? As a full-time ESPN. Now, that's her journey. Mm. And I think, boy, at that age, I would have loved that kind of gig, that surety. But yeah. that, that wasn't my story. At that age, I was just moving. I was just going backpacking <laughs> mm. when she mm. started. Um, I guess the reason why I referenced Alexis is because Alexis went from Sportsmax through to ESPN. And, and and correct me if I'm wrong. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like you went from Sportsmax to being globally recognised fronting, well, to me, because cricket's my thing, globally recognised in that Field. Not just that, but I'm saying you are globally recognized. And obviously CPL plays a big role in that as well in terms of cricket production, presenting, sports casting, etc. 
Do you see Sportsmax as a launching pad for that? Without Sportsmax, do you get to that? Or do you think you could have got, could, oh, would no have question. got there? No, no, no. I don't get there without Sportsmax. Sportsmax is the launching pad. Sportsmax is where I honed my craft as a sportscaster, broadcaster, mm. sportscaster, right? As the all-rounder. Yeah. Sportsmax was the one who suggested we do a fan experience to the CPL because that's how I got mm. in the CPL. We made a YouTube show called Fan right. View. Where, you know, we went around with the fans. That's one mm. year. And then that's where Hugh Bevan, who was the exec producer for the CPL, saw me and brought me into the CPL. Now, getting myself involved in the CPL, then I met my agent, Will Quinn. And then he got me around the world. Uh, and and the, I am so lucky to have been given work by the ICC. ICC is one mm. of the greatest employers in cricket, as you would know, that there is. Not just the greatest in terms of uh, wealthiest, um, has the most resource to spend on you. But I had in a man called Ajesh, one of the best managers I've ever walked under. He's a boss. He's a big boss. Mm. And expressed such humility, encouragement. I just, I just was so lucky. I am so lucky to have that connection. Um, and if I never get another one, I'm already so, so enriched and enhanced by it but i don't get there without sports max sports max was the launch pad i wasn't doing sports bro i was doing mm. music i started i started the episode off by saying who is alex jordan right and for the again for the benefit of the listeners you've taken us on a journey <laughs> across various different fields And I know, I wrote it down as you said it. You said you've got a sports, see, listen, listen this shows I was paying attention. You've got a sports bio, an academic bio, communicator, a, a linguist, um, an inter, like uh, an interviewer in the sense of you can, you're the, I call you, I call those type of people the link person who, the glue, the, 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 I was about to say the glue guy, the glue lady, the person who keeps it all flowing and sticking together. Where's your expertise? Say, say you, and, and take this the right way. <laughs> it's say, already taken the wrong way. <laughs> no, let me, let, me explain what, I mean, let me explain what I mean. Jack of all trades. No, no, I don't mean it like that. I literally, <laughs> say, say Yui. Say Yui got in touch with you and said, we want you to come and do um, a semester, an elective course, a semester, elective course, for whatever reason you had, you had time in your calendar and they're like, come do a semester, an elective course for UE students. What would you choose to teach okay. from your line of expert? Do you get on going now? Yes. But it, it, the, the, the reason that I laugh and I say it like that is because I'm defensive about that. I feel I ask myself that all the time. Where is your expertise? Right. Come on. I want, am I not by this stage of my career supposed to feel super comfy that anytime I am in my saddle. I just, I, I write in, you know, dirty. Mm. No, I still feel like an amateur every day, but that's another part of my personality, consistently aspirational. But I would say my expertise and the, and the course I would teach at UE is clear communication and the transference of ideas. Mm. I think okay. that when I'm in a room, when I'm speaking, and that could be at the golf club, that could be on the block, that could be in an intimate dinner party setting. That could be with my family. 
wherever I am these days, I would say the last decade, people stop and listen. 100%. And I, they stop and listen. And I, it, and I try to work out, is it the deep voice? It's not just the deep voice. It's the fact that I can use words to communicate things clearly in a passionate mm -hmm. way. And a, in power, I would say powerfully. Because, you know, people communicate things all day, all night on the internet. But, you know, the words you choose, the phrasing, as my mother would say, whichever emphasis on whichever syllable, um, mm -hmm. you know, those things are the syntax. I think yes. my expertise is in clear communication and the deliverance of ideas. And may I just add on the back of there, Michelle, I think I need you to be my life coach because I feel so clear now in what, in what my expertise is. I need to do some journaling. <laughs> yeah. Well, you sent me a message. I'm coming off the back of what you said there. You sent me a message on about a week ago. It was about it was your speech from the National Sports Awards. Um, and anyone listening to this, because when this is posted, I know Barbados is listening to this episode. But anyone who's not anyone who's not from Barbados, um, uh, Alex Alex um, gave a keynote speech at the National Sports Awards um, in Barbados. And anyways, Alex sent it to me. It's about twenty minutes long, and I listened to it. And honestly, I'm not just saying this to to, to gas you up. I was like, you know what? That held me. That held me from minute one through to minute 20. And I actually paid attention. And that means something because in the world we live in today, it's hard to hold someone's attention for, for 20 minutes straight without them doing something else at the exact same time, right? So and I listened to it. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is the first thing that went through my head after it finished was Alex could be an academic. She could be a lecturer. And I don't, what did I say to you? What did I say in the message? I didn't even say that to you. What I said to you was, I think I need to apply for Bayesian citizenship. That's yeah, what I, I, didn't that's what I actually that said in the reply. I assumed it was a compliment. But I <laughs> it was meant to be some kind of compliment. But yeah. um, but no, but the point is that you spoke with such national pride that even that, that I was like, boy, I best just come to Barbados and just get a citizenship. Oh, sign what. me up, sign me up. <laughs> but but yeah. do you see where I'm coming from in so much as you got too many strings to your bow. And that's why I think I asked you the expertise question, because where you stand now, let's call it queen over your castle, look um, over your land, whatever, looking over your achievements. And that's what I think I said to you at the beginning. I talked to people about how they reach their final form. It sounds to me like you're just at the beginning of the journey or certainly at the next, or certainly at the next stage of it anyways. Yeah, and I think people need to remember that. I think that's an inspirational message to people in, 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 in itself because we live in such an instant world now where everyone thinks they have to make it at 21. You know, I want to remind people that you're constantly evolving. I'm not my best self yet. I know mm. I am. I know I am not. I know I have other areas to go. But I would love to teach sometimes. I would love to lecture in, in some way. And I think that's also something I can use my podcast for. You have to brainstorm with me for good names for my podcast. But I am the daughter of Dr. Oscar Jordan, who was a wonderful uh, doctor, but a great teacher. You know how many doctors now tell me I was your father's student? Gosh, he was lovely to listen to. La, la. And the granddaughter of Gladys Jordan, who mm -hmm. had a teach. You know, my grandmother had a school in, my, in their house. My father grew up in a board house in St. John. And there was a school in that house where my grandmother taught. And she taught the great and the good of this country. Magnates, big old white men come and tell me, 
if it weren't for your grandmother, I don't know how much I would think of myself. So I come by that very honestly. We are, my mother's a teacher. My mother's a fantastic teacher. Uh, so we, we maybe, maybe one day, you know. So I'll leave you with this. And for those that I know, I know you lot listening like now, nah, Mash. We need we need longer with Alex. And, and I hear you. I hear I you. But, like but Alex, <laughs> I feel it may be a little all over the place. But what? <laughs> no, people are listening. Trust me, they're locked in. Um, but I, I I end it with two things, Alex. Um, the first one, this one's slightly controversial. Yeah. So I would expect no less from you. <laughs> <laughs> you left Barbados once eventually came back in the context of looking at the journey of a sportscaster and within the myriad of all the things we've unpicked that you do and can do but i mean barbadians have achieved so much I could kind of if if, if you talk, if I had to give her like a national list of Barbadians, I'd be I'd be talking for the next fifteen minutes. One only needs to look at Mia Motley as PM. No one looks at Mia Motley as just PM of Barbados. She's seen as a global figure, right? So, in many ways, maybe my question isn't controversial. Can you be what you want to be? <laughs> you know where I'm going. No, can I have you no be, idea. Lost. Can you be what you want to be? by being in a, by basing yourself in Barbados. Now that's not, I'm not trying to get you to disparage here at all. That's not my point. What I mean is when somebody looks at something like sports casting, do you have to, and this probably could go for any Caribbean island, by the way, or, or, or nation, yeah. do yeah. you have to fly the region or Because that's so much about the Caribbean and certainly the next generation coming up is always about we have to leave to, or people are sold the narrative that you have to leave to make it to come back. I think, I think it's Where important. Where do you stand on all that? I think it's important to have the context of the world mm. to measure your skills. I think it's important to live outside of where you have grown up for context of your own self. I'll start with that. However, do I need to say again that it's 2024 mm -hmm. and where I am based makes so little difference in the grand scheme because we're online and we're global. However, I know for sports casting, if I came from India, mm -hmm. if I came from New Zealand, if I came from England or Australia proper, because, you know, I come from Australia, but not really. I think it would be easier for me to get big international jobs. I think it's more of a push for people to choose someone from the Caribbean because you only really choose someone from the Caribbean when you want a Caribbean something. Yes. Right? And, and I think I've proven to the world that I am not just a Caribbean something. I'm a global mind. Mm. Right? right? So you, you, wherever I am in the world is immaterial. If the question you're really asking, Masha, is if I ever plan to leave Barbados again. <laughs> God. The, the answer is my mother is alive and kicking. She's in this beautiful island, and for as long as she is alive and kicking, I want to be near her. However, however, the right opportunity, and that could be um, for growth, expansion of myself, work, love, whatever. Ah, you know, I'll go. I'd go again. I've lived all, all around the world, so why stop now? I'm love. sorry you're not using the video of this because 
I've got. Do you gold, know what? I've got <laughs> golden light going on here. I, I was gonna say that the, the glow up, the glow up is, <laughs> is working for you with the with the beige and sun. Meanwhile, in my frosty in my frosty <laughs> London room, <laughs> but um, that answer was perfect because it it pretty much it's almost like you knew where I was going next. People, because I never know who's listening to any episode. I never know how far it reaches. Well, I do know how far it reaches, but you never know who this might help. Um, and if it helps one person, then then good. Um, that's one yeah. more than before. Yeah, I hope it helps someone. I want people to know that life is a long, old journey and that you get mm. better and better if you apply yourself, right? People have this terrible narrative, especially in this new Iowa, this new era, that age is something to be feared and reviled. Mm. Oh my God, your age is your honor. And, and, and if you can be well as you get older, you know, life can be more rewarding, more en enriching. You're supposed to be wiser. You're supposed to be more of a master at your craft than you were before, right? You're not supposed to born perfect. Mm. Oh, what am I saying? <laughs> so we have to have another conversation another time. So last one then, Alex. What do you wish you knew then? And by then, I mean one extra Alex, go to the 20, 2006 World Cup Alex, um, Sony Silver Award Alex, because that's success. It's a, that's all success metrics. Um, what do you wish you knew then that you know now that I guess by default you would give as advice to someone coming up in the in the game now what 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 have been the most i guess uh most important things that you've learned from your own journey that you would kind of give us kind of key moments for people to reflect on as they come up in in, in their respective journey stop catastrophizing catastrophe catastrophizing stop life is a test match it's not a t10 life is you've got a lot of balls Take your time, calm down, try to find a more even keel to your innings, right? It can't be six, 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 six. Oh, shoot, I'm out caught. I'll never work in this town again, right? That's kind of how my life went. Like big highs and, oh, it's all going to happen now. And then, I mean, I had a, 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 some incredible moments at Radio 101 Extra where I thought, well, I've, I've made it. And then when I obviously hadn't. I was super crash and I'd be like, oh, what was me? I'm rubbish. I don't know why I even thought to go in this. So I think that I would advise, try to keep an even keel. Get yourself a practice of some sort that brings you back to yourself. For me, it's something called Artemis movement. For some people, it will be running. For some people, you need a practice. You need a, life is a practice. We're playing a test match. That is life. It is a long old time. You got a long time to work your way into the innings. So to be patient and to apply yourself in an even, even way without being too attached to outcome. That would be mm. the advice I wish I could take as a youngster in those days. Stop being so attached to outcome. Process, process. What's she hope? You know, what's she hope? <laughs> get back to get behind the ball. Put it down. Get behind the ball. Put it down. You know, every single shot doesn't have to be a masterpiece. It's all a body of work. It's a tapestry that gets weaved, but it takes time and it takes success and failure. It takes your wins and your losses. It takes 
total people loving you and absolute rejection. You know, those things happen uh, as a dichotomy. Uh, and mm. isn't that, my friends, the human experience? Listen, people, I, t I told you about, right? I told you about that speech that Alex sent me. And I, I told you how for 20 minutes I actually listened. You just got right there. You just got a three-minute example of why I was transfixed for the 21 minutes uh, of that speech that Alex sent me. Oh. Alex, listen, we've been going for an hour uh, and, and, and seven, eight minutes or so. I am going to call it to a close. The people are going to ask me for a part two, so you know I'm going to... Now I'm going to hit you up and say at some point in the future and say, let's do it. But here's what I'm actually going to say, though. When you create the podcast, because I'm going to get on you, you know, I'm going to get on you. I'm, I you. genuinely believe it's something you should consider. Thank you. When you create that, just make sure just make sure I get to come on at least for a little three minute segment one day. <laughs> no question you're going to be on. I, I have a slight obsession. I have a slight obsession with Marshall St. Patrick here, which is why I say all of your names. Also, maybe when we do a part two, I could come to London and we could do it live. 100%. I, I want to meet one, the other half of the Cricket Caribbean podcast, Mr. Santoki, as well. Don't worry. He'll, he'll, he'll be there. He'll be there. Cool. All sorted. Listen, ladies and gents, that has been Alex Jordan. That's been a fantastic episode, and I mean that. I don't just say it. I mean it. I, I a, a little-known fact to you, the audience, is that when I post these episodes up, I never listen to them again. But this one... I will make an effort to actually listen to so I too can take in the gems that Alex just dropped in that episode. Alex, thank you once again, once more um, to all of the audience listening. That's been The Game is the Game. I've been your host, Marshall St. Patrick Hewitt, and join me again next time. Thank you for listening to The Game is the Game with Michelle St. Patrick Hewitt. If you enjoyed that episode and you'd like to find out more about the work I do, you can head to linktr.ee forward slash mashstpaddy. If you'd like to find me on Twitter, you can find me at mashstpaddy. And if you'd just like to email me about anything you're interested in or that episode made you think about or anything in particular, you can email me at mstpatrick at gmail.com.